0: From the studios of the Private Client Network in Midtown Manhattan, welcome to Luxury on Location. This dynamic new podcast features conversations with luxury realtor Kevin Snedden, founder of the Private Client Network at Compass, and his Private Client Network partners. In this, our fourth episode, Kevin will be speaking with Cindy Schultz, our private client network partner in the Hamptons. Cindy is quite influential in the luxury real estate arena, and here's why. Cindy is a real estate expert, philanthropist, and entrepreneur. In fact, her entrepreneurial instinct led her to become one of the founding agents at Compass. Cindy's clients consist of financial institutions, family offices, wealth managers, and private investors. A driving force behind supporting women leaders in New York, she co-founded Women of Compass, a platform to empower female home ownership. And in case anyone's counting, Cindy sold over 200 million in Hamptons luxury real estate in 2021. What we admire most about Cindy is her depth of character and her overall leadership ability. We are so grateful to have Cindy in our private client network and are delighted to have her as our guest, luxury on location.
1: Hello, Cindy, and welcome to luxury on location.
2: Hey, Kevin, thank you so much for having me today. Really appreciate it.
1: Sure, my pleasure. You know, the Hamptons is one of my favorite markets and the listeners today are going to be quite interested in what you have to say. So to start, Can you take our listeners through your background, how you got into real estate, and how you got out to the Hamptons?
2: Yeah, of course. And I know you're no stranger to the Hamptons, so this is going to be fun today. So my background of how I got into real estate, undergraduate, NYU, I actually really wanted to be a speech therapist. And that's what I was studying. I was able to get an amazing mentor undergrad and he suggested he's like you know you really are much more business-minded being a speech therapist sounds wonderful but i'm not sure it's really your your passion so why don't you try going into real estate for a bit see if you like it and then from there you can go to business school or figure out and i quote he says figure out a real job so i went over to all the firms and tried to get a job right out of college and it was very hard no one wanted to hire me without any experience so i started doing rentals tiny rentals and this was back in the day when craigslist was still a platform that people used to look for apartments in new york city and i quickly became one of the top rental brokers and from there i built my business made a lot of good connections and was very fortunate to have people who really bet on me at a young age. So when I was 26, I made my way over to Urban Compass and that's what we were called then. So I was one of the first 20 agents over at Urban Compass. It was a lot of fun. I saw that Compass was going to actually give me a career and not just allow me to turn keys. Compass has been like probably the best business school I could have went to because I didn't officially go to business school, but I've learned everything from what it takes to raise money, expand into different markets, and truly like develop as a great agent. So I've been at Compass now for almost, almost nine years.
1: Wow, that's amazing. Obviously, Compass has grown now to 26,000 agents nationwide. So how does that feel for you? You must really Be proud of that. I mean, you should take ownership of some of that, right?
2: Yeah. Seeing how large Compass has grown from the beginning is unbelievable. I'm so proud and I feel extremely privileged to work alongside wonderful agents like yourself and all of our partners at the Private Client Network. I think that Compass has truly been able to grow, but also stay like very small in the way that they're super invested in their agents. I remember Rob Refkin, when I would see him in the office every day, he's like, Cindy, how can I help you grow your business? And every time I see him, he still asks that question. And Compass really did come through for me when COVID hit in March of 2020. I thought to myself... What am I going to do? Kevin, as you know, we weren't allowed to work and no one wanted to be in New York City. They were all fleeing New York City. So Compass helped me put together a plan. And I've always really held... Clayton and Stephen in high regard. They're my peers. And I wanted to figure out how I could work with them. We have a lot of overlapping circles, but it just never really quite made sense until COVID hit. And we thought about, okay, why don't I come on to the Hudson advisory team and build out our Hamptons business? So That's exactly what I did. And we thought it might just be an offshoot and I'll come back to the city. It could be a fun project. But we experienced tremendous success in our first year and quickly rose to be one of the top five teams out here. So now our little satellite project has become a very serious business line that I run.
1: No, that's amazing. And I applaud you for doing that. I remember when COVID hit in March of 2020. And for those listening, especially New York real estate agents that might be listening, we all know that the New York real estate market basically flatlined. And we're all entrepreneurs. So what did you do, Cindy? You took action, right? And you aligned yourself with a team and you were at a firm that supports entrepreneurial action. And you went out to the Hamptons and, you know, taking a leap there that that market was going to elevate through COVID, which it did. And then you've built a tremendous business out there in a very short period of time. So I really commend you for taking that leap of faith. It was a really tough time. And some people just get sort of frozen in that moment. And I really applaud what you did.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, I think it was just wonderful to see how many agents connected. And we quickly figured out little Zoom groups to support one another. And Being a New York City agent where no one wanted to be, it was constantly on the news, a terrible place where everyone was fleeing. And then to see other markets flourish and do so well, it it was discouraging. And I knew that I just had to get into the right mindset and, like you said, be a true entrepreneur, figure out what resources I had, and just rebuild.
1: What was your plan early on when you landed in the Hamptons? What in the first 30, 60, 90 days did you do?
2: Yeah, I just basically took meetings with a lot of our clients. And again, just like my early 20s, like, you know, years later, I was very lucky that some of our clients truly bet on me. So I just connected with the client, said, hey, I'm out here. I am new to this market, but you know I will outwork most anyone here. And then I quickly decided to get some good partners out here, a very, very good attorney who's hyper well-versed with this market and an excellent land planner who's helped bring me up to speed probably 10 years over one short year. So I built a very strong team around me.
1: Yeah. And we all know the Hamptons is very connected to New York City. So I'm sure your New York City connections and just understanding the mentality of that client and the lifestyle that they want to lead out in the Hamptons, which is only for one to three months a year. Some moved out there permanently, some go every weekend year round, but having a clear understanding of that lifestyle, I'm sure it was a help to you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It truly was a help, like, you know, understanding how how they like to live their life, what's important to them. And this was an interesting time. It was extremely stressful, the fact that there wasn't inventory. People were truly fearful for their lives, for their health and stuff like that. And I just flipped that around and used it as an opportunity to truly partner with a lot of our clients and learn from them and that's how we were able to navigate through some some pretty difficult deals that landed them beautiful homes
1: so let's move on to the market can you take us through the state of the hamptons real estate market but really take us through since you landed out there right at the onset of covid what happened in that market and what's trending now
2: sure so when I came out here, like you know, the Hamptons was all over the news. Everyone is fleeing to the Hamptons. And I think the media actually blew up the number of transactions that, that were happening. A lot of the movement in the market was rentals. People feverishly trying to land a rental. The Hamptons market was depressed for seven to fourteen consecutive quarters before COVID hit, I'm not sure that everyone has really realized that. At the higher end, above 10 million, it's easy to say it was depressed for 14 consecutive quarters. And Kevin, you know best, but people were often like comparing it to the Greenwich, Connecticut market.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
2: Yeah. So there's actually not a lot of homes. It's a skinny island, but they had like leftover inventory because things just weren't trading. So I would say the absorption rate doubled during 2020 and maybe the first half of 21 because you had leftover inventory. But once that inventory was consumed, it went back to the average consumption rate, which if you look at all of the numbers, and it does vary a little bit by hamlets, but on average, about three to 6% of inventory in different Hamlets trades every year. And right now we're dealing with, we have about 500 homes for sale from Southampton to Montauk at every different price point, which is unbelievable. Usually there's three to four times that amount.
1: So I imagine given the buyer demand and the limited inventory that prices are increasing substantially at this time.
2: Yeah. And I think... The people who transacted, like I said, there were actually a lot of rentals in 2020. People were worried about where is the world going? People who purchased in 2020, some of them are doubling their money this year. And if not doubling, like prices are easily up this year from last year by like 20 to 30%. So prices continue to hold strong. I think it's a mix of low taxes it it allows people to you know be more comfortable buying a second home out here and then just like the tight inventory it's interesting the most inventory is actually in east hampton north and that's where about like 50 percent of the trades usually get done each year
1: so if you break it down into segments there's obviously people that live there year-round already then there are people that moved out from say the city to live there on a year-round basis and then there are some people that are just going to spend some more time there, you know, etc. Can you take us through sort of these different buyer segments and sort of how they behaved through COVID in terms of their real estate needs?
2: Sure. So for the first year of COVID really until like the vaccine came into play, I think a lot of people were out here full time all the time full time they didn't really go back to the city it wasn't until schools in the city started opening where people actually went back to the city and now majority of people are still using this as a second home maybe they will come out on weekends or maybe it's just the summer and then once people got a little bit more comfortable with traveling we do see a lot of our clients kind of hit they'll have like a place here down in Florida perhaps even Aspen as well
1: yeah you know i say to people before covid Wealthy folks had to have two houses, and now they have to have five. (laughs) People want to spend two, three, four months in three to four or five different locations every year.
2: That's a great point, Kevin. I think it's like the mentality has shifted, and now that people are more comfortable with the vaccines, and perhaps it's everyone getting acclimated to using Zoom and having a more flexible schedule— majority of our clients do have multiple homes, and they're valuing their lifestyle and what they like to do. So the Hamptons is a fantastic place for the summer. It is the place to be in the summer. However, it's really actually trickling now into the fall. You have like a wonderful harvest season out here. There's plenty to do. Where I'm located in Sag Harbor, the restaurants are now open year-round, and I think that a lot of families are truly enjoying that.
1: So what about Perennial renters, did you see renters become buyers because of COVID?
2: Yeah, because they just realized how special the Hamptons is. I mean, everyone reads about the Hamptons and it's in the papers like that. If you're really living out here, you realize, wow, I can leave my house, be at the beach in maybe five minutes and on the way down there, hit like three different farm stands to make like a beautiful dinner that night. The quality of life in the Hamptons is is truly unbelievable. And what I like about it so much is it's like an aggregator for some of the most brilliant minds in the world. So you can have Zen and relaxation and the comforts of disconnecting. But if you'd like to, you can also just go into town and see probably 10 different people that you know. And that's, I think, what makes the Hamptons so special and, and different from upstate New York and, and different places where you can have a house and be isolated, but here you still have quite a bit of culture.
1: That sounds amazing. So in terms of what I categorize as the sweet spot of the market in terms of where there's the most demand, price point, location, what would you describe as really the, the sweet spot of the Hamptons real estate market?
2: Mm. So we've got a couple of different ones. Amagans South is where everyone wants to be right now. Uh, I think it's because of the proximity to the ocean. It's still a pretty decent value given the proximity to to the ocean. And people like that it's a little bit more laid back. You actually get to know your neighbors. They're not all like hidden behind the, the hedges. Watermill South has become really popular as well because you're close enough to, to the city. And it's just you have some like beautiful, beautiful plots of land over there. And I think that people really like the mix of being able to go to the beach and passing farm stands on, on their way. And I'm always partial as well to, to Sag Harbor. I think Sag Harbor still has like some great value and especially clients who have a boat, want to dock, Sag Harbor still carries some, some decent value. Yeah.
1: I have a 14 year old daughter and there's a love shack fancy in Sag Harbor. So we know all about it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, people love the the shopping and and the restaurants in Sag. I do think like Sag is probably my favorite town out here for that reason.
1: So, what do you think someone would have to spend to buy what I'd call a nice house in the Hamptons with a pool, five bedroom house? What's the price point?
2: Yeah, I mean, if you want something nice and we're not talking contractor grade finishes, but good location where you don't have airplanes over your head or train noise, you're gonna be spending for a five-bedroom really nice house, six to eight million.
1: Yeah, no, and these are for those listening, these are second, third, fourth, and fifth homes for people. Yeah. That's amazing. Let's talk about the ultra high end, you know, the 10 million plus it we read every other week that there's some blockbuster sale in the Hamptons. Can you speak to that market?
2: Yeah. So that market is going strong, and for so, 2020 was a year where people finally were able to trade out of like where they possibly bought when if they bought at the height of the market to 2006, 2007. They're like, wow, I can exit now, um, and and not lose my shirt. 2021, last year, people were seeing that they could get you know. 20 to 30% more than what they paid 10 years ago. What makes an over $10 million property really special? People love tennis. They love to have the ability for tennis. So if you're able to do something like that, that definitely drives value. And again, everything is proximity to to the ocean. Can, Can you be walkable to the ocean? Are you on the ocean? And what we're seeing now in the over $10 million market is if if you're a spreadsheet buyer, you are not going to win. If you're trying to figure out comps and what the neighbors paid, you're never going to transact in in this market because there's so few things and because they're so special. You have people here who are doing true, what I like to call legacy buys. They're buying homes that are going to be in their family for years. So they're okay to pay up a little bit to secure like one of the most beautiful pieces of real estate in the world.
1: Yeah, I liken Hampton's real estate to art. It's really fine art, and there's no yeah. there's no comps for it. You buy into something because you it has value to you, and you set the market for it.
2: That's right. And Kevin, as you know, I mean, there's things that can't be communicated on an appraisal, such as people having like two million dollars worth of specimen trees and, and beautiful, beautiful landscaping. I mean, we have a client buying in the estate section of of Southampton and the grounds were just unbelievable. We didn't realize this because he had to move so quickly to secure this property, but this house has like a long history of people having like beautiful parties in the rose gardens and and all of that. So, it's not just the houses, but it's truly like the plots of land and and the gardening and and all the work that has gone into like keeping these properties very much estate like that's so special. That's
1: why the landscapers out there drive Ferraris.
2: That's right. Got <laughs> that landscaping bill. He was laughing. He's like, "Yeah, I think my landscapers going to be a little bit more of a partner than someone that I hire." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. I, I think so." Exactly.
1: So so let's move on to talk about your business, you know, how you're set up out there, what how you differentiate yourself. That's a very competitive market as it relates to real estate brokers.
2: Yeah, it is. Everyone is a real estate broker out here. But I would say, very similar to like your market Kevin I would say only about 10% of the brokers actually do most of the trades here people don't usually move out to the hamptons to work they fall into it they're out here for some other reason and they're like oh okay maybe I'll I'll get my license there are very few people who move out with the intention of building a business so I and that was completely my intention of why I'm out here which makes us quite unique and we do have an incredible team. We're almost 30 people with a very strong foothold in, in New York City, which allows us to know what's coming on to, to market. All of the buyers and sellers are from New York City. So we've truly got our, our ear to the ground. Where we can go out and, and hunt for listings and be the first people in front of these clients. And someone that we hired the past few months, Marissa on our team is our head of brand. So Compass is a fantastic brand and platform for allowing us to grow. But in markets like the Hamptons, I believe you truly need to be bespoke and have very special offerings and contacts and stuff like that. So Marissa is helping us to grow our brand that's out here in the Hamptons.
1: How do you guys cover it geographically, Because especially in the summer? Trying to get from Montauk to, say, Southampton is no small task. Um, how do you guys set up geographically out there?
2: We have someone in Chelsea on our team who covers Southampton and Watermill. I'm kind of here in the middle in, in Sag Harbor, and then Clayton spends his summers on on marine and in amagansett so we are we're spread out throughout so we have everything geographically covered
1: so you talked about watermill and east hampton and sag i mean how is the montauk has really changed in the last 10 to 15 years has really transformed what's going on in the montauk area
2: montauk is a very special market i mean you have just beautiful pieces of land out there that went undiscovered for so long until COVID hit. But the, I think the prices for Montauk have just jumped unbelievably because you have such a deep buyer pool. You're still able to buy stuff in Montauk for under $3 million, but I think that the prices are just totally inflated there because the buyer pool is so deep.
1: Yeah, agreed. So let's move into This is my favorite part of these episodes is the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Why don't you take us first through your lens? Like what's what's a perfect day in the Hamptons for you?
2: Yeah, a perfect day in the Hamptons. What I love about working out here is being able to, focus on wellness a bit. And this is something that was absolutely never incorporated into my life or business, living into the city. I think just waking up in an apartment building, you're surrounded by all this frenetic energy and it's go, go, go. So my perfect day is getting up, meditating like in my yard, listening to like the birds chirping and it's just absolutely wonderful. Maybe going down to the beach for a beach walk, meeting clients to go for a beach walk is amazing. Everyone just kind of has their guard down here and it truly feels like inspiring when you're going to talk about what their next move is and you're hearing the waves. I always love going to lunch at like Tuto in Sag Harbor. That's my spot. That's where you'll be able to find me later this afternoon <laughs> as well. And uh, we really like to cook and entertain. I think that's a huge part of the lifestyle out here. So definitely doing dinners, inviting people over. I love to do these dinners of 12 people who don't know each other, but should. So we often get like a lot of entrepreneurs around the table just to chat through ideas and ending the night with, with a nightcap by the fire or the fire pit is pretty much how I would end my ideal day.
1: That sounds amazing. There are interesting people out there. I mean, the Hamptons has a global draw. So if you're out there, especially in August, you can just see anybody. It's really it's really incredible. Do you have any favorite beaches? And for those listening, the Hamptons beaches are some of the nicest beaches in the world.
2: They truly are. You know, I love Sag, Maine. That's like my beach. It's so beautiful. And just walking along, looking at all the gorgeous houses, it's truly, truly special. But what people don't realize too are we have incredible bay beaches here and that's where you want to go to catch the sunsets. So Long Beach in in Sag Harbor is is also a very special beach and probably the best beach for, for sunsets.
1: What about the restaurant scene? And you know, because of COVID, obviously things took a hit out there, retail, restaurants, resorts, I imagine. So can you take us through sort of what the current, I think there's a lot of pop-up restaurants at New York City, Restaurant tours have come out. Can you take us through restaurants, resorts, even retail, what's happening out there with that?
2: Yeah. So the restaurants, I, like I had mentioned earlier, a lot of them like are staying open now year round. And there are like some pop-ups that are coming in. The Hamptons, you typically have- larger party sizes, if you have family out or friends or something. So you really have to be resourceful and get your reservations well in advance. I mean, I'm seeing some of the maitre d's at these different restaurants with beautiful watches. They're playing on gorgeous golf courses, like tipping them a hundred bucks isn't going to do it for the summer. So I think the lifestyle of the maitre d's out here would be a totally interesting podcast, but um, the demand is so high. And what a lot of our clients are asking us for is access to private chefs. So we're actually going to be collaborating with this company called the Colonistas this year, where we will be hosting like dinners with them and also giving our clients access to, to the private chefs as well.
1: So there's two audiences that are listening right now. One is real estate agents and the other is Mm -hmm. consumers, right? Who might be Mm -hmm. thinking about renting or, or buying a house in the Hamptons. So what would you, you know, the Hamptons from a realtor perspective, it's a very aspirational market. You see these television shows and it's just very attractive real estate and the numbers are big and it can be lucrative. So what would you say to someone What's the right way to do it to try to go out there and get established in the Hamptons real estate market?
2: I would act from a place of confidence. And if you see something that you like, move on it. The Hamptons is very much an emotional commodity. Like, yes, you can get like great rental income should you want to rent it out. But I think if you're really committed to being out here, meaning like you want to like build memories out here, develop friendships you're going to have to like move on on the stuff that you like just because there is not much available also know something interesting when you're doing your numbers the average closing cost out here is five percent of the purchase price because you have a two percent tax called the peconic land tax which goes towards like buying up land to protect the beauty of the hamptons but i think the number one thing for landing a home is just confidence and feeling informed if people say, well, the market's going to go down. I'm like, well, what's your secret? What do you know that, that I don't know? Because we we haven't really been seeing that.
1: Yeah. And I don't think you can put a price on lifestyle. And I think what COVID taught us is time is fleeting and you want to spend time with the people you love in the most beautiful places that you can be in. <laughs> so the Hamptons mm-hmm. is one of those places.
2: Yeah, I completely agree.
1: So is there anything else you want to tell us about the real estate market or the Hamptons in general?
2: Well, if you're interested in, in purchasing out here, I think coming out in the spring and fall is a great time to explore the different hamlets. Sometimes I'll get these calls where people say, yeah, I want anything from South to Montauk. That cannot possibly be true. I think you really need to understand the different hamlets and what speaks to you. So I would suggest coming out booking a hotel and staying out for the weekend to discover which places you like best.
1: That sounds great. So for anyone listening, interested in Hamptons real estate, please keep Cindy Schultz in mind. (laughs) And thank you so much, Cindy. This was a great conversation. I look forward to seeing you soon.
2: Thanks for having me, Kevin. Appreciate it. A sincere
0: thank you to Cindy Schultz for being our featured guest on our fourth episode of Luxury on Location. That was a terrific conversation, which we sincerely hope our listeners enjoyed. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. We understand there are a multitude of podcasts out there, so we appreciate that you chose Luxury on Location for your listening pleasure. We hope to see you back for Episode 5 when Kevin will be speaking with another one of our Private Client Network partners and discussing their dynamic luxury real estate market. In the meantime, please check out the Private Client Network at Compass, your nationwide resource for luxury real estate. We operate in virtually every luxury real estate market in the country. You can find us at theprivateclientnetwork.com or on Instagram at privateclientnetwork. Until next time. We'd like to thank the sponsors of this episode of Luxury on Location. Experience luxury vehicles like never before. Are you tired of being locked into leases? Join Motor Envy. No Commitment. No maintenance, no headaches, all drive. Visit motorenvy.com forward slash LOL to receive your exclusive access, courtesy of Luxury on Location. Greenwich International Film Festival is an all-female founded nonprofit organization that harnesses the power of film to serve the greater good by bringing to attention important issues related to basic human rights, education, the environment, and health care. GIF offers films, panels, and special events throughout the year, including the prestigious Changemaker Gala, which will take place May 25, 2022, and will honor Lynn manuel Miranda for his work with the Miranda Family Fund. To learn more about GIF, our events, and membership opportunities, please visit GreenwichFilm.org.